Well, today we're wrapping up a series called Mixed Up. Mixed Up. And the reason I have all of this uh, up here, if you're brand new with us today, is we've been talking about ingredients to healthy relationships. And we've been talking about different ingredients that we need, wrong ingredients and the right ingredients. So, so this is our last week of it and look forward uh, to our next series starting back to the movies. But can I tell you, if you missed one week of this series, get online, YouTube, and watch the messages. It will help your life immensely. I encourage you to hit the share button right now as I talk about this in very, very important subject. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sex. You know, I, I love the holiday season, as all of you that are regular attenders, you know that about me. And I love Thanksgiving as well. And T Tiffany always makes her famous cheesecake at Thanksgiving. I mean, she, she's tried different cheesecakes, different recipes. And, and I know when she doesn't have my recipe that I like. Because whenever she makes a cheesecake without this particular recipe, it's just off. It doesn't taste good. And I'll ask you, is that, is that the one that I like? Because I, I want that cheesecake. It's better than Cheesecake Factory. I have not had another cheesecake as good as this particular cheesecake Tiffany makes every single Thanksgiving. And, and some of you, you know, when it comes to cooking, you, you enjoy cooking. You enjoy finding great recipes. And, and maybe you like your, it's your macaroni and cheese. You're looking for a new recipe. Or your green bean casserole. You're looking for a new recipe. And there are so many recipes out there. I mean, there are so many cookbooks and, and church cookbooks, and there are famous cooks. You know, you got Paula Dean and Carla Hall and Gordon Ramsay, or maybe it's your friends or your neighbor has a great recipe, and how many know you, you can't be grandma's recipe. You know what I'm saying? You got, you got grandma's recipe on how she makes her mac and cheese, and you start to wonder which recipe is the best. There are so many recipes out there. And when it comes to the subject of sex, people are looking for the right recipe. When and who and why and how should I have sex? And there are so many recipes out there. Everybody is talking about sex. Television, movies, billboards, magazines. I mean, friends at the school, at the workplace, and, and jokes are being told. Everybody's talking about sex. And let me just pause for a moment just to encourage all of our parents. Parents, is so key that you talk to your children about sex because kids are learning and hearing about sex earlier and earlier and earlier. And I want to encourage you, talk to your kids about their body. Talk to them about about sex. There's great tools out there. Tiffany and I talked to our kids around the age of 10, and we probably waited just a little too late to talk about it, but we sat down and we had some heart-to-heart -heart talks with our kids about their body and about sex. It is so key, and it's important that the church talks about sex because it's being talked about everywhere else, and people are confused because there are so many recipes, and so people get all mixed up when it comes to sex and if you follow the wrong recipe you will put ketchup in your cookies and wonder why it doesn't taste good and when it comes to sex I don't want you to put ketchup in your cookies and so I want us to look at God's word today 
And here's how I want to begin as we talk about these ingredients to sex. I want to begin with just two wrong ingredients about sex and, and then look at two right ingredients, but two wrong ingredients about sex. And, and the first wrong ingredient is sex is dirty, is dirty. Oftentimes in church, what you hear about sex is don't have it. And there's this negative connotation about sex. Matter of fact, when Tiffany and I got married, we both brought in some wrong views about sex. When I got married to Tiffany, I brought all my baggage in. I brought the movies that I had seen and looking at pornography and, 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 and hearing things from family and pumping my mind full of music and filth. And I brought all that into our marriage. And then Tiffany was a church kid, and she brought uh, her, her different wrong thinking into marriage. And maybe some of you can, can relate. Maybe as, as a church kid, you, you hear don't, 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 and, and no, 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 and sex is a sin, and don't, 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 and no, no, no. And then after a 30-minute ceremony, a wedding ceremony, now you're supposed to say yes, yes, yes. And people can just kind of be a little confused when it comes to the subject of sex. And for many people, and especially in the church of Jesus Christ, people tend to have this thought that sex is dirty. But I just want us to understand something. Sex is not dirty. It's a gift from God. But there's a real devil. There's a real enemy. There's a real adversary who fights so hard to pervert the gift of sex and to make it dirty by influencing people to misuse the gift of sex. And whenever people misuse sex, they start hurting their own life. They start hurting the lives of others. And what Satan always does, he tries to take, take all of God's good gifts and he wants to twist them and pervert them into something bad. He loves to take what God meant for pleasure and turn it into pain. He loves to take what God meant for worship and turn it into a weapon. He loves to take what God meant for closeness and to turn it into something that separates. And I want us to understand that sex is good because God created it. Sex is good because God created it. The devil did not create sex. God did. It's a gift from God. I want us to notice this in Genesis chapter number 1 and verse number 27 and 28. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase or multiply in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. So God said to the man and to the woman, he says, be, be fruitful and multiply. In other words, have sex and have babies. And, and then I want you to see just a, a few verses later what God says about his creation in Genesis 1 verse 31. It says, God saw all. Come on, would everybody shout all? Oh, that was just a few of you that shouted. Would everybody shout all? Notice that God saw all that he had made and it was very good. Come on on the chat line, everybody watching online, just write very good in the chat line, very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Sex is a very good gift that God created for a husband and a wife in a marriage relationship. God says sex in the context of marriage is very good. The Bible says in the beginning, God created Adam out of the 
dust. And once he formed Adam, he breathed in him, and Adam became a living being. And then the Bible says God looked at Adam and one day said, it's not good for man to be alone. And so the Bible says God put him to sleep, took a rib out of his side. Come on, how many know one rib God can get the job done? Who knows what I'm talking about? God, God took one rib out, and he formed a woman out of the dust of the earth and breathed into her, and, and she became a living being. Adam woke up from his sleep and looked over and saw, oh, man. And then God said the words, be fruitful and multiply to Adam and Eve. Adam said, what is that? How do we do that, God? God said, come here, Adam. Say, what? What you talking about, Willis? I'm about to lose my mind up in here, up in here. Sex is a very good gift in the context of a marriage relationship. But when any of God's good gifts get misused, abuse happens. Now, I got to teach this to you. I'm in teaching mode right now. I want to help you today. I have to understand everything God created has a purpose. Everything. But not all purposes are known or understood. And when purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. Abuse comes from two words, abnormal use, abnormal use. In other words, when you don't know why something exists, then you will abuse it. You will utilize it in such a way that it wasn't designed to be utilized. It wasn't created to be utilized in that way. And to find out the purpose of a thing, you don't ever ask the thing. You ask the creator of the thing, of why it was created. And if you don't understand the purpose of a thing, you will end up abusing it. So I have an iPhone in my hand, and I, I know the purpose of an iPhone. But if you don't, you, you know, if you end up using an iPhone as a hammer, how many know you're going to break your iPhone? But you don't use an iPhone as a hammer because when it, before it came out, the manufacturer, the creator told us the purpose. This is a phone. It's not a hammer. You don't use it for nails. You'll destroy your phone. You use it to talk. It told, it they taught us how to download apps on this phone. I mean, the, the, the manufacturer, the creator told us how to use the phone so that we don't abuse the phone. They give us a charger and say, so you got to charge it in the wall to keep it plugged in. So you got to plug it in so it'll charge up so you can use it every day. It teaches us how to use the phone. The greatest problem when it comes to sex is we don't ask the creator his purpose for it. And we can start getting our instructions from Hollywood and culture and music and movies and friends and family. And whenever we follow culture's cues instead of God's cues, we start misusing the gift of sex. You gotta always ask the creator the purpose of a thing. Here's, here's a second wrong ingredient, and that is sex before marriage is best. Sex before marriage is best. Culture tells us constantly that sex before marriage is a good thing. And here's what I got to remind us about today. Culture did not create sex. Movies, 
music, celebrities, athletes, friends, family did not create sex. And yet we start looking for people who did not create something on how to use it. And then we end up abusing it. The person, the, the one that created sex is God himself. So the only way not to abuse the gift of sex is you have to ask God the purpose for it. He's the one that created it. He's the one that created you and I. He created the gift of sex. And God says the purpose of sex is to be enjoyed between a man and a woman in holy matrimony, in a marriage relationship. God put boundaries in place to bless us and to protect us. Here's what you have to hear. Because some of you are already going, oh, man, Pastor, you messing with me. Hear me today. I want to help you. God put boundaries in place only to bless you and to protect you. We sang about it today. He's a good, good Father, and he only put boundaries in place to help us, to protect us, and to bless us and understand something about boundaries. Boundaries are not new. When God created the heavens and the earth, he, he created them with boundaries. Boundaries are, are, were established from the very beginning. We act like they're new, but they're not new. They've been established from the very beginning. The Bible says in Proverbs 8 and verse 29, when he gave the sea its boundary, so the waters would not overstep his command. And when he marked out the foundations of the earth, we could flip back to Genesis chapter 1 and watch God create the heavens and the earth. And he created them with boundaries. I'm glad he created the earth with a boundary and, and water with a boundary. And we see what happens when, when there is a, a hurricane wind that, that, that throws water onto the land. It can be devastating, but God created boundaries. I'm glad when he flung the star and the stars and the, the moon and the sun into the sky. He created a boundary that the sun could only come so close. Otherwise, we would burn up. God established, established boundaries to protect us and to bless us. When God created Adam and Eve, he placed them in the Garden of Eden, and he put a boundary in place. God says you can eat from any tree in the garden, but the one tree in the middle of the garden, do not eat from that tree. There's a boundary. It's a lordship boundary. I always want to be first in your life. I always want you to obey me. It's to bless you and to protect you whenever I'm first. I'll bless your life. God put in place the rest boundary. God. Listen, boundaries are not new. God said, I want you to work six days, and then on the seventh, I want you to rest. This is the rhythm of, of, of being a healthy human being. Work six, rest a day. Don't violate that, or you will harm yourself. It's called the Sabbath day to bless you and to protect you. God put boundaries around food. The Bible actually says that a glutton to eat too much is actually a sin. Why? Not to keep anything from us, God knew for our bodies to function properly. He says, when you get full, stop eating because I want you to be blessed and I want to protect you. God put boundaries around money. God says all throughout his word, don't spend more than you make. You'll get yourself upside down financially. You'll be in a trap. He put boundaries around money. God says, out of every $10, you give me the first. It's called the tithe. You return 10% of all of your increase in money back to me to the local church where you worship. Why? So, Because I want to bless you. I don't want you to be greedy. I don't want you to be selfish. I, wanna, I want you to honor me. It's a boundary that God put in place. God put a 
boundary in place when it comes to him. He says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's a boundary that God put in place. God says if you violate that boundary and you start seeking anything else first, it'll mess up your life. I didn't put that in place to hurt you. I put that in place to bless you and to protect you. That's the purpose of boundaries. As you all know, most of you, if you're new with us, my wife and I, we have four, four children. Love them, love them, love them. In, in, in July, we're going to have four teenagers. Say it again. We're excited for it. Four teenagers, we're, we're, we're excited. And this year, and our oldest is going to be a senior this coming up school year. We're excited. And, but when they were smaller, we had boundaries. Like, you can't go play out in the street. You can throw a fit. You're four. You can't go on the street. Because we wanted to bless them and protect them. You know, when my kids were smaller, I have them sit in my lap. You know, when they're seven, eight, nine, they'd sit in my lap when I was driving the car in the driveway. I let them drive the car and pull it into the garage. But, but I was controlling the pedal and the brake. You know what I'm talking about. Like, hey, Dad, can, can we go out there on the road and drive? Nope, no, we're not going to the freeway. This, this is for the garage driving because I want to bless you and I want to protect you. But several years ago, my family went to Disney World when the kids were a lot smaller. And, and I remember it was so interesting at Disney World. They, they had rides, roller coasters, that you had to be a certain height to be able to ride. And my kids, they, they loved it because, you know, they, they, they would get there and they would stand at the, see if they could be tall enough. The second one would come up, you know. They, third one, third one, you know. And then poor Case. Oh, man, my little buddy. He, he walked up that time to that roller coaster. He put his back there. It's like. <laughs> little buddy, you too short, man. <laughs> you, can't, you can't run. I can't run, run. I can't run. Oh, my God. I'm telling you. Oh, God, I'm so close. <laughs> But whoever created that ride knows what's best. And they're not doing that to be mean to you. If you get on that roller coaster, you might fall out. And we don't want you to fall out. And then what was interesting as we were going to the different roller coasters, the case wasn't hardly tall enough to ride any roller coasters. And then we got to Space Mountain. And there's a roller coaster called Space Mountain, and it's enclosed. And Case, he, he was tall enough to ride the ride. I was like, what? You're tall enough to ride that ride? But you can't ride the rest of them? Something's wrong. So I sat behind him in the roller coaster. I was a seat behind him. He sat in front of me. And I put my hands on him the entire time. Tight. As though if that roller coaster would have popped up the, the, that safety belt, I wouldn't go hold that brother down. He was gone. But thank God the creator knew that was a boundary that would work on that particular roller coaster. Boundaries are not to hurt you or to harm you or to keep you from fun on the roller coaster. The boundaries are always in place to bless you and protect you. And boundaries were in place from the very beginning. Boundaries. I want us to see a, a, second, a, a second thing about just talking about 
sex, and that is sex was created for marriage. It's a boundary. God designed the wonderful gift of sex inside of a marriage relationship with a husband and a wife to bless you rather than to break you or burden you or even bury you and your relationship. God says, I want you to get married and to be soulmates before you become bedmates. Why? He said, that's my purpose. That's why I created it. That's my plan. Matter of fact, let's, let's just look to God. I, I don't want to give you my opinion. Everybody's got an opinion. I, I want us to look at what God's word says. And I want us to see what God says about this gift of sex and the boundaries that he put in place to bless us and to protect us. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4 says marriage should be honored by all. In other words, whether you're married or whether you're not married, marriage should be honored by, by all. And the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and, the, and all the sexual immoral. Let me explain that to you. When it says God will judge the adulterer, that's people who are married and engage in sexual activity outside of their marriage. And the sexual immoral is referring to all those who are not married but are engaging in sexual activity. The Bible says God will judge. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 1 and 2 says, Now, getting down to the questions you asked in your letter to me, the, the, the church at Corinth was kind of a loose church, and they were having questions about sex. And, and one of the questions was this. I'm reading out the Message Version Bible in this, this verse. It says, first, is it a good thing to have sexual relations? Certainly, but only within a certain context. God, God put boundaries in place. It is good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. Notice what God goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He is the creator of us and the creator of sex. He understands his purpose in verse, its purpose. In verse 8, it says this, so I say to those who aren't married and to widows, to singles and widows, it's better to stay unmarried just as I am. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. Marry. It's better to marry than to burn with lust. So here's what the Bible's teaching us. If you're single and you're burning with lust, you should marry before having sex. You say, Pastor, I'm not close to getting married. That's a whole other topic. I can't address it all today. Praise the Lord. But I do want to teach you what the Bible says, that God created sex for marriage. And any sexual activity outside of the boundaries of marriage is going against and outside of God's boundaries that he put in place. And whenever... In any area of our life, understand this, in any area of our life, whenever we go outside of God's boundaries, there's always consequences. We, we, we can just get hung up on sex, but I'm saying in any area. We look back at Adam and Eve. They were placed in the garden of Eden. Don't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, the lordship boundary. And they crossed that boundary line. They did what they were not supposed to do. And the Bible says there were severe consequences because of they violated the boundary. You ought to go ahead and read Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3 and just read about humanity and what happened. And it's the same thing when it comes to sex. There are consequences when we cross God's boundary lines. Here's what the scripture says about some of the consequences in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 18. 
run. Would everybody just say the word run? Can I get two or three people just to type it right there in the chat line? I want you to see the strong language the Bible uses. It says run from sexual sin. In other words, don't play around with it. Don't put yourself in compromising situations. Why does it say run? Because there are consequences if you don't. And God, 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 he's a good, good father. He wants what's best for you. And he says, run from sexual sin. Why? Because no other sin so clearly affects the body. And boy, does it ever affect the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. I think we can all say, man, that, that's, that's true. If you engage in sex, I mean, you, the sin against your own body and, and the things that happen and shame and all the consequences that can come from it, it it's, it's a sin against your own body. So here's what God says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit for every Christ follower, for every Christian who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. These are God's boundaries. Why? To bless you and to protect you. It goes on to say in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, what I want us to do is just look at what the creator of sex says about his purpose for it. Verse number, verse number 3 in chapter number 4, it says God's will. I want you to notice those two words. God's will. Everybody's looking for God's will. God's will is for you to be holy, to be set apart. So stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans, like those in the world. We expect the world to live in, 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 in lustful passion. But it says, who do not know God and his ways. And God's will is for us to stay away from sexual sin. I'm going to say it again. I think it's so important to understand this. God truly knows what's best for us. God truly has our best interest in mind when he put boundaries around the gift that he created called sex. He knows what's best. And whenever we go outside of God's boundaries, it hinders, it harms, it hurts our own life. And I think we all can, can understand this when it comes to, to sex and it can call, cause emotional wounds and Called sexually transmitted diseases and shame and guilt and unwanted pregnancies and pain and hurt and the list can go on and on and on. You see, living in God's will is the best place. Living inside of God's will is the blessed place. Living inside of God's will is the safest place. Living inside of God's will is the protected place. You don't want to live outside of God's will in any area of your life because the blessed place is in the middle of God's will. Uh, here's what I want to do. I want to take a few moments and I want to look at the one who created sex and I want us to spend a few moments and talk about some of the other purposes of why God created sex. Some of the other purposes. I want to help you. If you're single, this will help you in the future. Even if you're single with kids, help you with your kids. If you're married, this is going to help you. I want to help you about what does the Bible say. There's so much confusion. People are all mixed up because there's so many recipes people are listening to. But what does God say? Here's the first thing I want you to know is sex was created for procreation. For procreation. Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 28 says, God blessed them 
and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. And Adam and Eve, they were the only human beings that were created from the dust of the earth. Every other human being after Adam and Eve, God says, be fruitful and multiply. In other words, the gift of sex is how human life is created. It's a miracle that human life is created by the gift of sex. God's pretty amazing. You know, God, he's God. God could have said, the woman will have a baby. I'm going to put a button on her back. Just pat the button three times. Whap! Oops, there it is. Thank God it didn't do that. I'd probably have 22 babies. You might know what I'm talking about. I'm glad it's more difficult than that to have a baby. Praise the Lord. But, but God created the man and the woman and said, in holy matrimony, I want you to have sex. And it's a miracle that life happens through this gift of sex. So I want you to see a second thing, and that is sex was created for enjoyment. Enjoyment. And some people struggle with this because they think, no, you know, we're just going to have sex to try to have a baby, and then once we have a baby, we know we kind of slow all that down. But no, no, sex was actually created for enjoyment. It's, it's all throughout your Bible. Matter of fact, the Song of Solomon, just that one book, talks so much about the wonderful gift of, of sex and the, the pleasure and the enjoyment for a, a husband and a wife. But let me just share one verse with you today. Proverbs chapter 5 and verse number, number 18 and verse number 19, two verses. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving doe, a graceful, a loving dear, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. I know I mess all that up, amen, but, um, but you get what I'm saying. Let her breast satisfy you always. Come on, church. It's a good thing. Here's what I want you to know. God wants you to enjoy romance, the gift of sex. Some of you have a wrong view. You're like, oh, I don't even like it. Don't touch me. Leave me alone. God really wants to bring healing and wholeness so that you can enjoy the gift of sex in your marriage. Here's the third thing I, I want us to see because, I mean, people are all mixed up. They're all mixed up. Sex was created for pro pro procreation. Sex was created for enjoyment. Here's the third thing. Sex was created for needs to be fulfilled. For needs to be fulfilled. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3 says this. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. And, his, and, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. So God created marriage to help the husband and wife fulfill each other's needs, including sexual needs. And here's one of the keys to fulfilling each other's needs. you got to communicate about needs. you got to communicate about needs. So many married couples are not satisfied sexually and not even satisfied in their marriage because they never talk about their needs. They never talk about sex and romance and intimacy. They're, they're playing the guessing game. They're playing, you got to read my mind. You should just know what I want. You should know what I need. And that doesn't work. You have to talk about needs. You got to talk about romance. And I know when Tiffany and I got married, this was uncomfortable. It took us years into our marriage to get comfortable talking about romance and sex and intimacy, but it's been a game changer in our marriage to communicate about needs. Ma'am, lady, you got to let him know. You, listen, listen. Sex doesn't start in the bedroom. You got to let him know. It starts in the kitchen, brother. Dry them dishes for me. That puts me in the mood. Take out the trash without me asking you. That puts me in the mood. 
take care of the kids some and come on, help out the kids and change some diapers. That puts me in the mood. Mm. Come on, but you got to communicate that. Hey, hey, when, I, when, I, when, when, you, when we're apart during the day, just text me and let me know that you love me sometimes. That puts me in the mood. Just, you got to communicate that. And sir, men, you got to communicate to her and let her know what puts you in the mood. Everything. It's everything. Just say it. Let me know when. I know we just argue, but I'm good. Could you come to bed without them sweats on every night? That would help. I'm just saying you got you to gotta communicate. You, you got to talk. You can't play the guessing game with each other's needs. Here's the second thing about just communicating. Communicate about frequency. About frequency. That's in your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 5 says, Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree. Those are just four strong words that we've got to all get into our minds and hearts. Unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So the scripture says you got to actually communicate about how frequently you should have sex. And, and, and the Bible teaches, listen, don't, don't, don't deprive, don't say, you know, I'm taking a break right now, I'm taking a month off. No, no, that the Bible says you got to agree on that. It says when you agree on it, it says for, for prayer, come on. That's going to be somebody's new line. I'm, I'm, praying. I'm, I'm praying. I know what pastor said. We got to agree. I'm praying. I'm praying. But, but it says, unless you both agree, you got to talk about it. It's got to be a conversation on how you meet each other's needs. And Tiffany and I have had this conversation on how frequently we should have intimacy and sex. And for us, it's every day. She can't keep her hands off of me. I'm I'm just playing, church. I'm just uh, lighten up. I'm just playing. It, it, it is not every day. Here's a, here's a third one. Here's, here's a third one. Here's a third one. Here's a third one. We got to communicate. Communicate about boundaries. Communicate about boundaries. No, notice this. I, I want you to catch this. That this is so key because even for myself, I brought in a lot of junk into our marriage. And so many people come into marriage with unrealistic, ungodly expectations. They start thinking anything goes in the bedroom once we get married. But that's not what God's word teaches. And some of you brought some crazy, carnal, ungodly, messed up thinking because you got it from movies and pornography and the music and the friends and some family members. And, and let me remind you, 1 Corinthians 7 verse 5 says, unless you both agree, not, not just with frequency, but what, on, what actually goes on in your bedroom. You, you got to both agree. Husbands. Your heart's desire should be to honor, to cherish, to respect, to love, and to serve your wife. Wife, your desire should be to honor, to cherish, to love, to respect, and to honor your husband, to serve one another. It should be a conversation, and you should both agree on what should happen and what should not happen. And, and there are some things that just go against God's word. Tiffany and I did a marriage conference a couple of months ago at, at, at a church out of state. And at the marriage conference, they had a Q&A session. And, and one of the questions that the Christians asked was, is it okay for us to bring another person into our bedroom with us? The answer is no. 
It just goes against God's word. That's called adultery. That, 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 that does not honor God. That's outside of God's boundaries. Another question was, can we bring pornography into our marriage? The answer is no. The scripture says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 28 that we should not even look lustfully. It's, it's adultery just to look lustfully upon another person besides our spouse. It's, it's actually adultery, let, let alone engaging in the act, but just even looking. And, and I want us to get this. I want you to hear the heart of God and the heart of your pastor. God put boundaries in place to bless you and to protect you. If you will do sex God's way, it'll be a blessing to your life. Living in God's will is the best place, the blessed place, the safest place, and the protected place is in the middle of God's will. Heavenly Father, thanks for your word today. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for speaking to teenagers today. And thank you for speaking to singles today. And thank you for speaking to moms and dads and grandpa and grandmas. And thank you for speaking to widows and those who are divorced. Thank you to, for speaking to us today on how we can honor you and live in the middle of your will in Jesus' name, his eyes are still closed and heads are still bowed at every location. I want you to do this right now. As your eyes are closed, your heads are bowed. You say, Pastor, I'm outside of God's boundaries when it comes to an area of sex. It could be multiple areas, many areas. I, I don't know which one you might be struggling with. But if that's you with eyes closed, heads bowed everywhere at all campuses, would you just look up, even at the other campuses, and just look at the screen and lock eyes with me and put your head back down at this campus. Just look at me and look back. You're struggling. You want me to include you in this prayer. Thank you so much. Just look, just look up at me and look back down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, today you're a good, good father. You're a good, good father. And we live in a sexually charged society. And we need your help. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit and the help of the Holy Spirit. Touch with your power. Cleanse with your power. Wipe away shame and guilt and scars. God, I pray today, heal and minister. God, set free from addictions. Lord, today, would you place a desire in us to be holy and to honor you and to be pure. And I know it goes against what culture says, but God, would you help us to be holy and to be set apart to honor you and to live in the blessed place of the middle of your will. I thank you for helping and setting free today because you're a good father. In Jesus' name I pray.